listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, coming to you from Fukushima as usual. It has been so cold here in Fukushima these last couple of days. It's hard to believe that it's going to be spring in just a few more days, as in we'll be in March, and then children will be on spring holidays and changing to different grades and moving to different schools. And if you're in Japan, you'll know that on the 1st of April, lots of people change Things or have some kind of uh, sekigae, as it's called in Japan, changing seats. So, for example, my husband will probably move to a different desk in his office. And there's a chance that some people will be starting their very first day of work in a new office and having moved to a different part of Japan or even overseas. So April 1st is a big day in Japan. And yeah, March is a time of, well, spring, but also it's a time to say goodbye to people as well. There tend to be lots of farewells happening in March, which is kind of interesting because in other parts of the world, those tend to happen just before summer. So anyway, I digress. We have part two of our Education in Japan series. If you have missed part one, I really encourage you to go and listen to that first. You will meet the four guests who are on the show and get a feel for what we are discussing today. And then come back and listen to part two, which I'm about to play for you now. And this is probably my favorite part. There's lots of great topics in our episode today, including what happens if you get pulled into the PTA and how do you deal with having bilingual children or raising bilingual children in Japan when you potentially are not bilingual yourself. So it's a great episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. And please share this episode with other women, especially who are living in Japan and want to know more about other people's circumstances and some of the options that are available to you. And definitely reach out to our wonderful guests and say thank you and how much you enjoyed it because they've really enjoyed interacting with the listeners of this show so far. We are an awesome lot. We are. Yes. All right. I hope you enjoy the episode. So we had some questions about PTA. Have you ever done the PTA? Yes, Fran, you have. Tell us about your experience on the PTA. What happened? I'm actually on the PTA this year for the first time. My son's a fourth grader now at the elementary school and it's compulsory for each um, mother to volunteer at least once during their child's elementary school life. And many mothers recommended I do not wait until sixth grade because that's yeah. one of the 
hardest ones to complete. I'm not sure I chose the right year. I'm doing Belmark this year, which um, yeah, it's me too. Yeah. I'm the Belmark lady, and my and my son's well, run. Yeah. If you don't know what Belmark is, people who buy products at the supermarket, there are little bell-shaped kind of coupon things that you you cut out on the back of packaging and collect them and then once you have a certain amount you can deliver them to the school and your school can earn points to buy I guess craft supplies sports supplies or yeah kinds sporting of- equipment they like they buy three basketballs with all of those bell marks that you right. spend hours sorting and sticking and collecting right yeah right so it's the PTA mum's job to collect all these bell mark little tiny 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 tickets some of them aren't on cardboard they're on flimsy plastic packaging it's it's a nightmare and they all get stuck together some parents nicely cut them out for you and deliver them to school all all um divided up by points it's a time consuming and boring job I think I would have much rather do like gardening or sports day or, or something else <laughs> a, bit more, <laughs> a bit more interesting but yeah I'm I'm glad it's almost done yes almost over I'm I got roped into the first grade for my son who's he's in the first grade this year and I got this phone call because it's Corona. Like normally you would have a meeting at school where you would go and the teacher would say, okay, now we're going to choose the Yakuin. And, and for the first grade, like the mums are pretty much fighting to be chosen for first grade because they're like, I want to get it, get this out of the way. And so I was like, I'm not, I'm not putting my hand up for first grade because I know there are mothers who are busy and working and struggling and really want to get this done in the first grade. Whereas I work from home, I'm more flexible. I can, I can do it anytime, but I got this phone call saying, Oh, Nakata-san, would you do first grade PTA? And I'm like, surely there's somebody else who wants to do it this year. Is this really nobody? And they're like, there's nobody else has volunteered because, and I think they all sort of were because of COVID, they were sort of worried about, it or something I don't know and I'm like well okay then um sure I'll get it out of the way and do it first grade for my son I haven't done my daughter's one yet she's going to be fifth grade next year but I have put my name down to potentially take a turn take my turn for the team in fifth grade because yeah apparently you want to avoid (laughs) being in the sixth grade PTA but yeah as that sort of seems to be across Japan uh rumor that that the sixth grade is bad but I'm like if you can be in on the PTA during COVID do it because everything's cancelled like all this ridiculous stuff that you don't want to have to do is cancelled and, and and even though they try to schedule stuff they end up cancelling it so <laughs> I think the worst thing I've had to do is go to school at 7 20 in the morning and stand outside in minus one degrees and say good morning to the kids or at morning isatsu once that was a couple of weeks ago and, and they won't be doing that again because now we're, you know, it's not a time where they can have parents coming together. So yeah, if you can do it during COVID, put your hand up, get it done. It's not going to be so bad. Yeah. Being the Belmark lady sucks. I have to say, but if your kids are older, you can make them do it. They can totally do it and they can totally help you. So don't be like, you know, the, the mom has to make it all perfect and do it. It's interesting to hear your school strategy for doing it is a bit different to ours. We get all our answers sorted and sent and just given to us, probably because it's COVID, right? They don't want us getting together. Somebody, some poor sucker has sorted them all so that they're all the same kind and we just take them home and stick them on paper. 
Ah, and then nice. send them back again. We don't have to be together to do them or anything. Thank goodness for that. So it's not as bad as I thought. But I was thinking, is this like the the job they give the foreigners, right? Because it's like like all of my foreign friends are like, yeah, yeah, I've been the Belmark lady. I've been, I got the Belmark tanto. And I'm like, well, you know, what else? What other job are you going to do, really? Everyone has to take a turn. <laughs> and how about your experience with PTA in private school, Jordana? Is it different or similar? In kindergarten. PTA was a bit more involved with like school events and what have you and it was kind of a nice environment because the PTA had like a sewing circle and a tea ceremony circle and um, different little groups so it was a nice way in the first year to meet all the different mums because they had organized like mini events and what have you and it was kind of a relaxed more kind of friendly vibe in collaboration with the school and it elementary school it's kind of hard to describe the the PT it isn't officially called a PTA it's like the dads group so the dads are the ones who do all the helping for events so there will be two dads from each year and they will work with the headmaster of the school and they'll help assist with anything that's going on within the school and then there's also like two mums who help, but it's not really that involved. There isn't like a, a really kind of set jobs for mums in the PTA. So it's got a different system, I think, maybe compared to other schools. Definitely. Um, I like the sound mm, but, of that system. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's very much like a family feeling within the school. Right. I think a lot of the, you know, graduates of that school, they send their kids to that school. So it's that, you know, in-school community through the generations, which I think um, the dads kind of enjoy. I think they, you know, it's a chance to kind of have a few beers and plan some stuff. They seem to enjoy it anyway, from what I've heard. There isn't any, uh, it's highly unlikely I'll be asked to do anything for for Mm. my son's situation there. Yeah, so lucky escape there. Yeah, I noticed the the PTA at my son's kindergarten was very, it wasn't run by the dads, but the dads were really into it. And there was quite a lot of young dads who would like show up and they would like really get into the sports days and helping. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. This is, this is how it should be. You know, it shouldn't be just all the mums hanging around and, you know, the dads not, not coming and things like that. So I really liked that about when I saw that at um, kindy. And so I was just discussing it with some of my own friends in Japan, uh, in New Zealand, sorry, uh, last night on WhatsApp, because I've been told I have to take a turn for the team on the Kodomokai coming up. The, you know, the Kodomokai, it's your neighborhood children's association that seems to run alongside the PTA. And I'm like, why do we even have this? We have a PTA. Like, can we just not like make this part of the PTA and and just, you know, why do we have this whole separate other thing to um, use up my time on? Anyway, I'm now officially Taikubu Ichi, which which is like I'm in the, like the sports and recreation potentially section of the kids association representative number one, but I'm not which is great. So (laughs) just like minion one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in that section I don't know what I'm doing but um luckily my next door neighbor was in the taikubu last year so she can sort of point me in the right direction and it's COVID so mostly things are cancelled I think so this is the hope I'm holding on to for the next year anyway that there won't be any of the the major things that they would normally have 
But I'd love to hear your perspective on PTA. Have you enjoyed it even? I know, Jackie, you had some uh, experiences. Please tell us about your... Yeah, yeah. Um, I was... I do remember feeling really anxious and, oh, my God, I hope I don't get called up for the PTA, mainly not because of the time aspect, um, mainly because of the language issues. Even if you can speak well enough, the reading and the writing and sending the text messages to everyone and all that stuff. But I did get called up. And I have to say it was the best experience, really. I... I only had to go to a few meetings. Uh, there were three of us representing our class and the other two mothers were much busier than I was. And so I was like happy to just go along to the meetings on behalf of them. And it was always fine. And what I learned was that it was just really good to get an inside look into the school, to see the teachers operating outside of the classroom, to get to know the principal, just learning how the school system works a little bit better. The, the tasks that I was assigned were really easy, completely manageable. Yeah, I had a really good year. It was really enjoyable. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's just, again, it's the fear of the unknown and everything always works out. People will help you. It was good. It was fine. Well, see, that's a really nice, <laughs> really nice thing to hear, right, Christine? No, that we often no, just I'm, hear like, wow, I hate the PTA, man. Yeah, but. well, you know, there, there could be an aspect of ignorance is bliss, you know, <laughs> not really knowing completely what's what, going on. By the on. way, what year were you doing? What year were you um, in? Was it like first grade I or fifth think, grade? Or? Yes, I think it was my son's fifth grade year. I didn't get called up with my second son. Um, yeah, it was my first son's fifth grade year. I still had a small child at home, Tyler, so maybe fourth or fifth grade. There were some exceptions for people who had small kids at home and out of school. Like you could get an exemption. <laughs> I mean, the biggest stress of it all was who was going to buy the flowers to give to the teacher at the end of the year. There was a lot of going back and forth about that, which was stressful at the time. But on the whole, I learned a lot. I got to know some of the teachers really well, and they really helped me a lot when my second son came through the same school because my two kids are really different in personality. So whereas I didn't have any problems with my older one, had a lot of problems with my younger one. And since the teachers already knew me, it paved the way. Oh, nice. So I only have good say. things to say yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. How about your family, Christine? Any, any comments about the PTA? Do you want to comment or not? This is <laughs> a potentially controversial take. Hmm. We have nothing to do with the PTA in our area. We have no idea if a Kolomoka exists in our area. As Hoikuen parents, they don't ask you to do anything. So everything about your kids, hapyokai and whatever they're preparing or whatever they need for school, they tend to take care of it completely on their own with, within the hoikuen and parents just show up and watch sports day happen or, you know, watch the, the, the Christmas play happen and we're not involved in any of that stuff that I've heard from my friends who have kids in Yochian you start getting involved in at a very early age and then again because we've had such a interesting time getting started in elementary school 
most of the parents' meetings have been canceled. Most of the PTA meetings that are held in person have been canceled. And so what we get each year is the paper saying, you know, will you be part of the PTA and do you want to run? And every year so far, my husband has said, thanks, but no. And nobody really goes after us. So I don't know, so far we haven't had anything to do with it. And maybe we're missing out on some of the more positive aspects of it that Jackie mentioned, because we are relatively insulated in our neighborhood in that we don't get all the helpful gossip in terms of expectation management or things like that from some of the senpai parents. You know, we just kind of have a close knit group of, of people that we've been in touch with since we moved into that area, but also don't really need to deal with some of the aspects of it that we've heard mm -hmm. less positive mm -hmm. things about. Uh, I will say, though, that if we have to do it, we have already agreed that that is my husband's job. And he is a process engineer by trade and training, and he is chomping at the bit because all he thinks about all day long is how can we change this so that it can be safer and more efficient, right? So he's just ready to get into the PTA and change things and almost <laughs> bury them to Won't bring know him what's in hit it. Him yeah. see what he can make more efficient in these processes. So that's going to be his bag though. I'm just happy to take pictures at sports day and honestly do as little as possible for mm -hmm. these couple of years while we're just trying to keep everything afloat. Exactly. Right. Like, and that's the situation with a lot of families is trying to keep it afloat. And in my school, I noticed that people are like realizing, oh, it's actually okay if we cancel everything. We just do the bare minimum. It's actually quite nice. Could we not go back to what we used to do before? Because look how irrelevant it has been of course it would be nice to have sports day again that sort of thing but you know do you need all the parents involved actually no parents could just show up and watch let the kids do things you know and that's what I find that I find frustrating is that the PTA activities are things that kids could be doing that would give them a lot of confidence and growth opportunities so that for some reason the parents are doing these jobs or they don't actually benefit the kids at all or it's, it's just some kind of, I don't know, like this is like we could be in the classroom helping or doing something actually that is useful for the teachers and things, but it's it's nobody's thought about what anybody's actually doing for the last 20 years and nobody's you know, process-orientated husband has been the kaicho and has has had the, the gumption to say, actually, let's just burn it all down and start again, which I would like to see that. <laughs> But I have noticed more um, more fathers taking part. So, yeah, the send, send your husband along and, and you know, because, you know, they won't be volunteering for things that are a waste of time to do. All righty. Thank you for your um, <laughs> different perspectives on the PTA. Let's talk a little bit about bilingualism. This is something that every parent in Japan who has a child who is half Japanese is worried or thinking about all the time. And I'd love to hear, uh, so we had a question from Alina, who is a member of our uh, Instagram community. And she's a, a lovely Romanian woman who lives uh, in Japan and has two small children. So 
I know when you have small children, it's kind of hard to imagine how is how am I going to do it so that this works out? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? Are my kids going to be okay um, in the future? It's really hard to know. And so it's really great to hear from people who are a little bit ahead of you in the game who can give you some pointers or some advice or even just share their experience about what it's been like for them to have yeah kids growing up with two languages in Japan. And she said she's struggling with the expectations around her kids speaking English and in the expectations on herself. And I think that's half of the problem is the expectations we have for ourselves. So Jackie, do you want to give us some, <laughs> some of your experience from now you have an adult who, yeah, who's doing well. What's the secret well, yeah, sauce? He's bilingual. What what's been something that's really helped you or strategies, any strategies you've used or or the expectations for yourself around what about around your kids? I know yeah. your well, sons think- are quite different right yeah yeah. well first of all I think it's different for every family Mm. uh Alina's family there's actually three languages really she's Romanian so uh, it's going to be different for her than it was for me and for you and for Christine I mean you've lived overseas so you have all those other different things going on as well so I really only can talk about my family but I had decided before they were even born that they would be bilingual Uh, And I think getting my husband on board before they were born as well was also really helpful and that we had decided what we would do and how we would approach it because, of course, many times over the years we've had a lot of criticism from people, including in our own family, uh, about the kids being bilingual and more criticism but concerns as to whether they will be functioning adults Mm. at the end of it thankfully it's pretty much been they've been proven wrong but yeah you've had we have had to stand our ground a lot uh with the the things we decided to do and then I think also even within a family the personalities I mentioned before how my kids are so different the way they've learned their languages is really different between the two kids and I think it's uh so tempting it was so hard not to compare them You know, I have one who's pretty academic, loves reading, loves studying, loves learning. And then I have one who loves playing games and is quite sporty and absolutely hates anything to do with school. So how do you get them both to be bilingual, particularly with reading? You know, I think just accepting their personalities and how they like to learn things has been important as a parent to understand and just try to do the best you can <laughs> with the gaming <laughs> you know <laughs> we get off youtube you know that kind of thing but um he maintains that he learned to read and write from youtube and playing minecraft so mm-hmm. um, yeah i'm noticing my son's picking up a lot of things thanks to youtube thanks to various like reading things yeah reading and hearing and reading things together he said I'm like how are you able to read that like I haven't taught you that and so he learned it from YouTube I'm like oh, yeah okay. thank you yeah. YouTube that's, something good from YouTube that's my son Tyler as well like he <laughs> says I learned from having to write this stuff on my computer or the iPad and then my other one's like 
reading all the Harry Potter books before he started school and all that sort of stuff. So he just loves reading and learning that way. So different strokes of different folks, I guess. But I think through it all, really just that we always had a desire for them to be bilingual. And that was our approach that, well, that was our strategy that we wanted to achieve that. So we did uh, not extreme stuff, but just with that goal in mind, I think. Mm. It's heartening to know, right? Like it can, it can all work out, even if you well, can't send your kid to international school. Yeah, I mean, international you... school's not an option. I have one who hates reading, so that's yeah. not an option. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I guess my really my main perspective is actually that it all works out. <laughs> I mean, it's not encouraging. Well, maybe it's encouraging, but it's not what people want to hear, really, that it all just works out, but it has for us. So Mm -hmm. I hope it does for other people, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How about you, Christine, your situation with, you know, obviously, you were a working mother from when the kids were a young age, and they went to Japanese Moikwem. And how does that play out in your family with bilingualism? I've always known that we would speak English at home, because I just don't feel myself honestly speaking Japanese and it was something that my husband also thought would be valuable I know there's all of these different models for raising bilingual children and lots of people use more of a one parent one language model but we felt it to be quite stilted to have conversations (laughs) with ourselves and then speak in to the kids in different languages. And so English has become more of our home language. So when we watch movies or listen to music or play board games, for the most part, we're using English versions of all of these kinds of things. And it balances out a bit the social learning of the language that the kids are picking up in Hoikwen. One thing that I will say, though, is in our decision to not feel too full on about teaching either language to the kids, there have been moments where we felt a little behind the ball. So our Hoikwen brings in a, a Gakken teacher every couple of weeks. And of course they do things and the kids learn how to write their names, but it's not a very academically focused program. So the length of time that the kids spend sitting and in kind of focused classwork or the amount of work that they did in hiragana and katakana in the year before elementary school was very minimal. And being first-time parents and a little bit oblivious, we didn't realize how minimal it was until our son started first grade. And they tell you, oh, everybody starts at the beginning, but they don't really. So (laughs) that was one thing that caught us uh, a little bit off because we had been trying to just like let them get their confidence in speaking and kind of operating in the different language systems and not trying to be too like workbook repetition heavy when they were toddlers. Uh, And that has, yeah, been been a bit of a, a challenge sometimes. So we're a little bit more aware of it as my daughter is entering her last year before elementary school that we probably need to tighten things up a little bit with her, with both her, her English and her Japanese in terms of writing and recognition of the the letters or, you know, the syllabary, you know, pros and cons maybe to all of these different things. But one thing I found when we were trying to teach my son 
more of the phonics and kind of get him out of only speaking and, you know, understanding English, but to also reading and writing was that it wasn't great for our parent-child dynamic for me to also try to be his phonics teacher, especially because he and I learn and think in very different ways. So that is something that we pretty quickly outsourced. We got him a, a tutor on uh, out school for a little while, and she would meet with him for a pretty long time, 50 minutes, but he was into it. And she would do a combination of introducing things to him and doing videos and doing games. But she basically taught him all of his foundational phonics. And then from there, we put him into a program called Savvy Reading, which is designed for kids growing up in America, doing these little 25 minute like reading coaching sessions. And a lot of kids, I think, do them after school, but he does it at seven o'clock in the morning, Japan time. So you know, Tuesday through Friday, he wakes up, he has a quick breakfast, and then he's on the iPad doing 25 minutes of this phonics. And it's, you know, follows a pattern and there's all these different elements that they touch on. And then, you know, he finishes getting ready and he goes to elementary school here in Japan. And it's actually been fantastic because it's fun for him, but it's a little bit structured and it's not me who is doing it. So it's ended up working out really well for us. And I had the, the goal or going back to your earlier question about expectations that I was hoping to keep him close to grade level in reading and writing. And I don't know that we're quite there, but he, he's hanging in there and he's moving along. So for the, the balance of stress and fighting over it and gradual progress, we're opting for the latter these days. And mm. I suppose we always have the option to ramp it up in the future if, if that's what we decide we need to do. Yeah, well, good on you for getting ahead of it now and not letting it sort of slide for too long and then trying to claw your way back. Uh, because this is something I've sort of noticed with my my own family. Like we, uh, for example, my daughter uh, was very far behind her grade, very, very far behind her grade level for reading and writing. Thankfully, we had a year in Sweden where she went to international school that caught her up because, and they they helped her to catch up. They really were amazing and were both of my kids and so I'm like oh, I sort of I got a reprieve <laughs> and now we are able to sort of keep moving forward from this place of um, having that one year bonus uh, overseas but yeah also having to catch up on Japanese as well was a bit of a, a struggle for them uh, which was the the cost of taking a year out of Japanese education and going overseas for a year so anyway here we are back in Japan and yeah, working with what we have going on. Any learnings so far in your journeys with bilingualism? And I know you can only sort of talk about how it's gone, for, you know, for the last 11 years in your case, Fran, and that what's been your learning so far? What, what's worked for you? I have had a couple of examples of what not to do. Um, mm. We have a couple of family friends who have one parent who speaks English and neither of their children can actually speak English. Um, mm. The parents just haven't encouraged it or, or worked on it or, or anything. And that shocked me at, when I first met them and I just decided that day, I will not let that happen to my kids. I just think English is too important. And especially in the future, if, if we ever go back to New Zealand, I really would love them to have that, that base. Yeah. So yeah, just within myself, making that decision of not letting it slip even if they speak to me in Japanese, which of course, you know, happens when they come home after speaking Japanese all day, I will only ever answer in English and any communication we have through, through a phone or, or anything, it's always in English on my part. 
whenever I turn on the TV, it's it's to watch something in English and same with music that I play. It's as much as possible, just trying to create that environment at home because as soon as we step out the door, everything is, is not that way. So yeah, as you said, just trying to create that little slice of New Zealand within these four walls and, and making this bubble where we can really try and enjoy speaking English with each other and just keeping at it. Just don't, don't give up, even if sometimes <laughs> to, to say something yeah. in Japanese or, or whatever. Um, we're actually in an interesting situation here, um, which it probably could have its own podcast. We live with my husband's mother, who does not speak English at all. Sure. So when we're all together as a family, unfortunately, we have to translate between the two because I, I've made that decision only to speak English at home, but she only speaks Japanese. We often have to spend a lot of time translating and going back and forth and explaining things to each other. But yeah, despite despite the effort, I, I do believe it's worth it just for my kids. That is interesting. Yeah, I I mean, I only have that happen when we visit our parents, uh, my husband's parents for like a week and suddenly I end up speaking Japanese to the kids when I would never do that in my own home uh, just because the grandparents are there and they don't understand. And yeah, it, it's a slippery slope, right? It's easy, easy to get on that slippery slope and slide on down just because it's so much easier to just switch to Japanese so that everybody can understand. Wow. Well done for, for keeping at it is, is all I have to say. Yeah. How about in your case, Joe? My son, yeah, he was, I'd say, completely bilingual up until the end of kindergarten. And it, I've definitely seen, because he loves to talk. Like, he <laughs> wakes up talking, he goes to sleep talking. He's He just loves to talk. So going to Japanese elementary school, I've really seen how his English is becoming his minority language. So, like, especially in the second grade. Um, I've really had to pay attention to what he's saying a lot more because he, the vocabulary, he's just missing vocabulary in English that he easily can grab in Japanese. So really trying to like listen to him and give him that language whilst we're talking. Yeah, and keeping on top of, you know, his reading <laughs> mm. at home. I think, you know, reading books and making that conscious effort like, before I'd only ever, you know, I, I teach up to like you know, five-year-olds is my kind of area. You know, they learn it so easily. And it's, you know, if they're in that environment, they'll learn it. But as they get older, you do have to make that really real conscious effort to make sure, you know, they're reading enough English and speaking enough English and getting enough exposure. Yeah. So that's been a bit of a, I don't know, a shock, but I've like really had to like check myself <laughs> the last six months to make sure that I'm keeping on top of it to, mm. to support him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It can get away from you without you realizing it. And, and kids do go through these sort of phases, don't they, of being more strong in English and then being more strong in Japanese. And for my kids who had a year away from Japan, uh, being in Sweden, that was a huge boost to their English, uh, both reading and writing and being in school, which I'm so grateful for because it put my son on, on the path to being a reader in English um, that I probably wouldn't have had the energy or, the, or wanted to go through the battle to get him to start reading. But now he can. It's, it's easy just to sort of lean into that and push, keep him moving forward. Um, and they're actually a lot more motivated now because now that they've been overseas and they understand the value of having English and being able to read and write in English, 
they are more willing to study in English, uh, do their own English study here in Japan. And so, yeah, we've sort of set up um, a system where they do English homework after school as well as their Japanese homework, which they would never have agreed to before. But now my daughter is like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to go to school overseas at some point and I want to be able to read and write in English and so she's she's 10 and she's motivated uh, because she's had that but yeah for my own expectations I think that we put a lot of stress on ourselves as parents to you know the kids have have to be bilingual and what, what's going to happen if they don't but I have heard other sort of like heartening stories of kids, you know, making it work for themselves when they do get older. But I think doing what you can do right now is, is really important and it does help them. So, yeah, it is a matter of sort of like leaning into it, even though it's not fun or when, you, when your kids don't want to do it. But, yeah, if you can find a way to show them how it's going to benefit them now, like show them now as, you know, seven-year-olds, 10-year-olds, however old they are, I really do think it does help them to understand why they have to do this. Um, but yeah, giving your kids those uh, the foundation so they do have options in the future is, is, is all we can do, really. It's their choice to pick up and run with it from then on. Wow, what a great episode that was. I really enjoyed hearing all of the feedback from different guests about how being in the PTA works where they live or how being bilingual works in their family and it's really important to keep in mind that every family is different every kid is different all the dynamics are different even the place you live in Japan may have an effect on how things are in your town are there other international families around you can hang out with or maybe not is there an international school you can send your children to if you want to nearby? Those kinds of things are all different depending on where you live. And the PTA can be fun, as Jackie said. <laughs> I haven't actually had to deal with any PTA staff, as in I've just done my little sticking the bell marks on the papers and then sending it back and in a couple of weeks... My PGA duty for the first grade will be over with a minimal fuss. So I'm very glad I did it this year. Got that out of the way. Thank you for that, COVID. <laughs> One of the, the silver linings there, that's for sure. So we would love to hear from you. Come and find us over on Instagram at Transformations with Jane and tell us your take on bilingualism, where you are, how it works in your family or share the episode on your stories and tag us and let us know what really resonated with you. We'd really love to hear from you. So what is coming up on the show next? Well, we have some really lovely guests coming, actually. I have a wonderful interview with Paige from Whole Self Creative coming up, which I can't wait to share with you. And I have a few more guests who I'm about to record with. So I'll tell you a little bit more about them very, very soon. So thank you so much for listening as always. We'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>